Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Paul's to the Wall. I am your host, Mike Paul. This episode, I will be conducting this interview solo. My brother, Nick, um, could not make it for this one. However, that's all right, um, because this is a, a topic that I really am happy to talk about my guest with uh, by myself because I could talk endlessly about it. I want to take a break from all the seriousness, all the politics and all the, you know, kind of the doom and gloom stuff in the world, very important stuff that we've been talking about and kind of just take an episode to just go back to something I love and just nerd out with a fellow car nerd, uh, someone who's one of the most knowledgeable and interesting guys in the classic car world. So if this episode is not for you, feel free to tune out and check back next week when we uh, go back to some uh, more libertarian topics and um, political discussion. But my guest today, his name is Ryan Brutt, and Ryan has one of the most interesting jobs in the world, and he completely made this for himself. Um, He built a brand called the Auto Archaeologist, and what he does is he goes around the country and searches for super rare and desirable classic cars, mostly muscle cars, uh, GM, Mopar, uh, you know, Daytonas, GTO judges, and just finds them sitting in barns, dilapidating in fields, just cars that were abandoned in the 1960s, 70s, 80s, and just kind of left to rot. Um, But even in the condition they sit, a lot of them are, you know, six-figure cars or, you know, sometimes more. So I really enjoy talking to Ryan. Every time I talk to him, he has some new story about a crazy car he came across. So I hope you guys enjoy the discussion. Even if you don't like cars, just take a minute to appreciate – how cool of a, a job this guy has. So, without further ado, please welcome Ryan Brutt. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Freedom. Freedom? Well, sign away my freedom. Why, this is ridiculous. Don't be corny, brother. <laughs> sure, our system of free enterprise isn't perfect. But before we throw it away for some imported double talk, let's turn the clock back a few years to see what it's done for us. With your host, Mike Paul. So what's new, man? I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, no, just keeping my head down in COVID, you know. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you is how how has COVID uh, really impacted uh, the automotive car circuit, the car show circuit, all the hot rod events? How has that been this year? What's that? Yeah, no, it hasn't done anything. Um, we haven't. Uh, I went to one car show this year. Um, it was done in Kentucky. Um, it was nice. I mean, other than that, everything else was canceled. Uh, except for the Chicago Auto Show, which was February of last year. Mm-hmm. So it was right before everything started really taking off. And then I went to a, a Mopar swap meet in March. The I think it was like the day or the weekend that stuff started going down. And after that, literally everything was canceled. All of the local shows were canceled, all the bigger ones. Um, so just a lot of hanging out. Yeah, it's been a really hard year for me because usually I at least, you know, buy a couple cars and, you know, sell a couple, you know, of uh, sports cars or muscle cars. But this year I've been kind of, apprehensive to put my money in anything so i know what's going on with the economy um so i've yeah. really been a, i haven't done anything with cars in the last year and it just feels 
wrong. <laughs> it's just the first time ever. Um, yeah, I bet. Golden. But yeah, just for the listeners, can you give a little bit of background about uh, what you do and how you make a living? Because it's, it's a very fascinating job that you've created for yourself. Um, yeah, no, um, my name's Ryan Brutt, and I'm, I call myself the auto archaeologist, and I'm called by others. Um, I document unique cars and sad situations or neglected situations. Um, I see what they call barn finds nowadays more often than not. Um, I go around and tell their stories and um, see what's still out there. Yeah, it's really cool. Any uh, recent discoveries since we last spoke that are uh, worth mentioning? Oh, yeah, tons, man. Um, Just this year alone, even with the limited resources that I've done, uh, I found... I documented an original owner, 69 GTO judge, sitting for 40 years in a barn. Um, Chevy Tri-5s, Hemi Cudas, Daytona, Superbirds. I'm just anything and anything. I'm just uh, lots of chargers. Lots of 68, 69 chargers this year. Um, 69 Charger 500. Uh, what else? Oh, 69 Z28 Camaro. That's been sitting since 72 uh 69 Mach 1 Mustang sitting about the same time uh so some really cool stuff has really been popping up uh in not even that far from me yeah so you're still staying kind of in the midwest because you're based out of chicago correct yeah absolutely i'm here just north of chicago literally the northern border of chicago and uh i do travel further when i have the opportunity like when i went to kentucky um i did some exploring there and back um, but otherwise, I stay mostly within a two-day travel time in Chicago. Cool. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. like I said, having the, the car show circuit missing has been kind of a very hard thing for me. And I actually moved very close to one of our favorite drag strips recently. And, um, yeah, it was kind of a, a heartbreaker when uh, Hot Rod Power Tour got canceled because I was looking forward to that when I was moving in. I was like, okay, in August or, or September, was it? They are going to have yeah. Power Tour coming right to my house. Um, well, I think it was really excited. Dr- was it Power Tour or Drag Week was coming? Or Drag Week, Drag Week, yes. Yes, yeah. Drag Week. Oh, yeah, that was sad. I know it's one of the, it was one of the largest crowds they ever had on site at Byron was when Drag Week was there three years ago, I believe now, four, yeah. something like that. Yeah, it was, it was a really, really nice thing to be able to do, and it was sad to see it stopped. Yeah, I mean, we're, we had a whole event planned. I was having friends come out from out of state that were going to camp out at my house, and it was going to be a, oh, you know, a big event. And then, you know, like, like you're the one who, who I text to make sure it was still going on. And you're like, nope, they canceled it on Tuesday. I'm like, what? No, <laughs> there's no way. But uh, yeah, yeah uh, same thing. Power tour. It was supposed to be in June. And then they pushed it back to uh, August or September. And then they finally just canceled it completely because they didn't have any other choice. Yeah, probably with the hotel accommodations and restaurants and everything. Probably and probably just people that weren't going to show up in fear. Um, well, there's and then the the locate like three of the lo- two or three of the locations were in Illinois, so uh, they couldn't have any gatherings bigger than like fifty people. So, you know, what could they do? Yeah. So, are you actually in Cook County then? If you're in the Chicago limits? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm not in Chicago. I'm actually in Skokie, but I'm on the northern border of chicago gotcha so yeah i'm kind of i am in cook county yeah i was curious how your um experience has been compared to where i'm at because i'm i'm out in ogle so i'm a little a little more rural than you but 
what's it what's life like there right now what's the restrictions like for you guys to go out about your lives well we can't i mean we're not doing anything we're keep i mean it's light lighten up here and there a little bit but for the most part we are keeping our heads down and not doing anything restaurants are everything's closed um other than for takeout um i mean i just had my birthday my brother's birthday was recent was in november my mom's was in october and we haven't seen it my brother actually just we'd found out was positive with covid last week and he'll be fine he seems he has no real symptoms but my, my mom's high risk and i'm around her all the time so we have to be very careful with what we do and what we where we go so it's been really on the down low yeah that's it's really unfortunate it's been hard for uh a lot of different people i watching you know losing their businesses and uh you know, I mean, we were we're complaining about the the car circuit and just the fun stuff that got taken away. But there's a lot more serious matters that people have lost in this too. And it's just been it's a very negative year, you know. And that's that's kind of why I wanted to have you on to change it up because most of our our topics today have been around um, the COVID and and so a lot of the political aspect of all that. And uh, yeah, kind of fun. I want to just touch base on what's going on with one of my greatest passions in, in the car world, <laughs> and just because I've I've been so far out of it this year, but um. Yeah, man, it's it's not fun. I mean, do you do you feel there's gonna be like a return to normalcy in 2021? Are you optimistic? Um, once the vaccine starts becoming more readily available, I believe um things will get back to normal-ish. Um, and unfortunately, that's still gonna be they're saying because I, I follow this really closely also, mm-hmm. and they're saying that even the at the soonest outset, um, they're not gonna see it being out to the general public until middle of summer june so i mean that you're missing already power tour you're missing you know a lot of other car shows that would be going on so i think later half of the year will probably be um a real slam bang a lot of people going to a lot of really cool stuff um a real um crazy time by the early of the year i still think it's going to be real slow i mean i know chicago auto show just got postponed until like april which i think still is really early but now I, it's going to be a real rough still early 2021 yeah it's got to be so hard for all these uh organizations and even like the drag strip you know that's been making a lot of their business they were pretty busy this year i will say i mean i can hear every pass from my house but yeah. um so they're they're running the test and tunes they're running their their normal events the wheel stand competition still went on um so that was pretty cool i took the kids out there to see that um but yeah other than that it was it seems like the bigger ones though like the drag week and all that were the some of the real money makers that are really good for the town too brings a lot of people in for the restaurants and bars and you know the whole town suffers when those things don't go on so it's just been absolutely i mean like we you know we do mccacken the muscle car and corvette nationals in uh in rosemont every year and that's the rosemont convention center or the donald e stevens and it was closed all year i mean that is every event other than whatever january february when they were open but that was you know and still is going to be over a year's worth of business dead i mean that entire entertainment area all the hotels i mean it's a ghost town over there right now and it's i feel for them it's terrible but what can you do i mean it's the law right yeah it's 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 kind of crazy and yeah just the butterfly effect of when one event gets canceled, how many other businesses suffer because of that. Something I really paid attention to until now. Um, but yeah, hopefully I'm trying to stay optimistic, but it's getting hard. 
Um, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. let's shift gears. Let's shift gears a little bit though, and just talk about some fun car stuff. Like maybe give us some of your favorite discoveries you've you've come across in uh, in all your years of doing what you do. What's like? What are the ones that really stick out that people would want to hear about? Oh man, uh, there's always the one of my favorites is the uh, original owner Daytona. Well, now it's original family. The uh, at the time when I met, it was the grandfather who bought it new, um, and he told me it was really funny that he he was working the farm with a brand new GMC pickup truck that was a piece of junk. Um, it said he said it wasn't their greatest vehicle ever, and uh, his wife was in Madison, Wisconsin, looking at shopping, and she saw the Daytona on the showroom floor. Called her husband. He came, traded in the truck and some money and they drove away with the daytona and they still unfortunately the the grandfather has passed away now but um he had the car still is in the family it's still original family owned unfortunately it's rusting away in their front yard but um they love it so much that the one grandson has the car tattooed on his shoulder blade (laughs) um when the grandfather passed away my article that i did in hot rod magazine on the car was next to his urn and on his urn there was daytona pictures so it's just it just shows you how important this car is to them even though they can't do anything with it it is one of my favorite pictures is this is a whole thing of moss growing out of the tail uh light housing and it's so sad and it's amazing and terrible all at the same time yeah i'm gonna go ahead and put a link to your uh to your website and my show notes so people can check out some of the photographs you get because they are it's they're weirdly fun to look at even though some of them are very depressing you're like oh come on save it you know but um yeah i've i've just i've browsed the pictures you've taken and it's just like it's just fascinating just history and uh no it's it's pretty wild so absolutely you never know what you're going to find out there these people were they they have any plans of restoring the car and they don't want to sell it they're just like looking at it rotten away that's I mean, they they would like to do something with it. Unfortunately, um, they don't have the ability. They don't have the ability to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't even have the ability to buy a proper. Um, unaf- what what had happened was it was in a garage. You can see the in the pictures of the garage behind the car, and that garage had clapped, or at the time was collapsing on the back side, so it would have crushed the car. So they had pulled it outside. Um, with plans of fixing the garage and they never had the money to do that um and now it has clapped completely in the back and they don't have the money to either put up a temporary like thing around it or one of those indoor outdoor car covers because the tonos are so unique it's like five hundred dollars for a indoor outdoor car cover that can fit that big wing in the nose so it sucks but um I mean, it's a Daytona. I mean, it's still all there. Original engine, original transmission. So um, hopefully, sooner rather than later, they are able to at least get it out of the elements to keep it safe. Um, I've been visiting it now for 10 years every October, and nothing's happened with it other than the junk around it has changed. Um, But it still exists, so that's the important thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you see, selling the Daytona would solve the money problems, but then... You can't restore the Daytona if you sell it. <laughs> it's kind of a paradox. But, exactly, um, and it's and, and it's a it's a phys- That's why all that's why all these cars are sitting. Basically, is it's a physical reminder of a point in their lives. It's a physical reminder. They can go out and touch and think of their grandfather and the memories they have with him. 
and they don't want to lose that. So I understand that. I have like, my grandfather's old car. It's in a storage unit, but it's not rotting away. But it, I mean, that's why it won't ever go anywhere. Even for all the money in the world, um, that that connection is a lot stronger. Yeah, that must be something you come across quite a bit is the sentimental attachment. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's why a majority of these cars are sitting is because of that. Um, it's that connection to a time in their lives that they can remember that car being a, a part of, you know, dating their wives or um, I did a, which one did I do? I did a charger, I think recently. Oh no, it was a Daytona. It was it, tomorrow's garage, tomorrow's episode of garage squad. The son and grandson were there part of the build and the son had been brought home from the hospital in the Daytona that we were fixing or they were fixing. So, and it's just, it's a physical reminder. It's a physical connection that, I mean, just like ever have it where like a song takes you back to a moment in time. Oh, for I know sure. I have that. Yeah. I mean, so this is a, literally something they can go touch or even just look at and it will bring up good feelings usually. <laughs> yeah. I, I almost, uh, brought my wife to the hospital to deliver our son in a 70 GTO four speed convertible, but, uh, um, yeah, nice. I didn't trust it. So I, I literally got it running the, oh. the minute my wife called me and told me her water broke. Like I got, I had the car for about a month and it had been sitting for a while. So every time I'd, I'd start it, I would, I would, I changed out all the ignition system, the fuel, everything, mm -hmm. fuel filters. It kept, I put it in first gear, take off and it would just stall out before second. Every time I never make more than like, hundred oh, feet geez. in the car. And then I finally had to change the gas tank. There was so much solidified sediment in the tank that I was plugging up the sending unit. So that's what it was. Yeah. Once, once the car got moving, it started plugging up the fuel line. So I changed the fuel tank and I got it put up, take the car for the first test drive. I've ever gone more than like hundred feet. And I'm about 15 miles from the shop. I was working at heading for like a 30 mile drive home. So I'm halfway home. The car's never gone this far. I'm going, okay, nothing's overheating. Nothing. You know, everything's running good. Uh, brakes were a little touchy. Been sitting for probably about 20, 20 years or so when I got it. And uh, okay. my wife my wife calls me and says uh, she's going into labor. And I was like, okay, wow. don't die. Don't die on me. <laughs> but um, yeah. I ended up switching cars when I got home and took a little more reliable car to the hospital. But I did end up oh. selling it. <laughs> I ended up selling oh, that car. Awesome. But <laughs> had, I, uh, had I taken it into the hospital in that car or taken it home from the hospital, Maybe I would have kept it, so I can see that attachment. <laughs> yeah, but, but and like I said, that's a, a just think if you ever had the opportunity to get that car back, I mean that's a a, a good memory that you are connected to that car. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit more of an incentive to go get it than any other car. Yeah, actually, I, the guy who bought the car um, was really really pissed me off. He's a, a kind of a known con artist in the Chicago area. I won't call him by name. No. You might know who I'm talking about when I tell you the stories, but he, Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. He, um, bought my car. He's just one of those, the, the cockiest arrogant people I've ever met in my life comes out and just really crude sense of humor, cussing, just like something I didn't, I didn't want to hang around brand new Escalade. He pulls up in, and, yeah, I know uh, you're talking about. yeah. So he buys my car, oh. um, lowballs me pretty hard, but got to the point where I, I wasn't going to be driving it. So I, I lost a little money on it, but uh, got rid of it next week. I see it on eBay completely misdescribed says the engine was just rebuilt uh, that it's been like a 
well-known survivor car in the Pontiac world has a bunch of awards. He has a bunch of trophy pictures with it. This whole story about how it's been his family for all these years. He had it for like, yeah, like a month um, or a couple of weeks, maybe. And I think he ended up making like 20 grand on the car because someone bought it sight unseen and he took very deceiving photos of it. And yeah, um, yeah that, that, you know, and, and I, I ended up selling another GTO I had about two months later. It was, it was a Le Mans clone and he, but he contacted me and said, Hey, you know, he knows, he didn't know it was me. They just bought the other GTL from, he didn't know I, it was the same guy. And okay. he started lowballing me. And I said, I wouldn't sell you this for twice my asking price. I saw what you did with my red car. You are what, you know, give people a bad name in the car world. Like, so oh, yeah. you, you will not buy this car. This guy shows up to buy it and he's kind of sketchy and, but you know, he pays cash for it. So I'm like, whatever, his money's good. And, um, he, takes off and all of a sudden i recognize they put it on a trailer around the corner and it's the same guy who bought my red car bought it using his buddy yeah. did the same thing with it put it back on ebay completely misdescribed it that car actually didn't wasn't even drivable it had a uh a, a mm. bad uh it had no compression on the a cylinder so it was just oh, smoking burning oil he put on ebay sold it sight unseen saying the motor was rebuilt the, the day he got it home it's just thankfully i think the guy that we're talking about he went to jail for that yep. for a little bit yeah, yeah, it's so, funny. Uh, you definitely know, you know it's the same guy because yeah, he is like a uh, check fraud or something. I looked up his name once I found out who he was. He gave me a fake name when he bought it, and the, the business he told me that he worked for was like insolvent five years ago. And yeah, he also went to jail uh, recently for fraud. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure. Good. Hopefully, after he did my cars, I was I was pissed, and I and then I, I kept seeing him put cars on Facebook under a uh, an alias, but I yep. just, I didn't want. You know, he knew where I lived. Like he'd been in my house. So I was like, I I don't want to get in the way. Um, because I don't know what this guy's capable of. He's clearly a sociopath that doesn't care has no like doesn't care about other people at all. So I stay unfortunately. Anyways, <laughs> let's take this some more uh uplifting topics of the car world. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of good people. There is a lot of good people. Um like the, the GTO I found a GTO judge original owner car. And such wonder if the sun was there. Uh, the car had been sitting in a garage since the 72 or 79, something like that. Still had snow tires on it when it was put away. Literally driven, running, driving car. Drove it in the garage and just life got busy. And they were so happy to tell me the stories about the car. They they pulled out all the pictures they had of when they bought it new. And oh, so wonderful. It's one of the most warm stories about cars that i've seen in a long time how much how proud they are of the car and they're going to bring it to mccacken this year but obviously that didn't happen and ah there's so many good stories about these cars out there especially original owner original family cars um sucks that some of them are sitting rotting away like that daytona but you know at least they still exist and that's the that's the happy part is that you know these survived while so many others didn't yeah for sure it's um yeah, like you said, there, there's so many good people I've, I've met over the years, too, just being in the world. And that's kind of the the part I miss the most this year is I usually run into them at the car shows and catch up. And, you know, it's just that's just such a it's a really fun um, environment. I always grew up going to shows with my dad. I've I've really wanted to be doing that. My kids, my my son's three right now. He's a, he's oh, a little gearhead. And, I, you know, it's being deprived. I can't take him to these things. Um, we go to the drag strip, which he likes, but 
it's very loud for a toddler. So I have to like he keep earmuffs on him, and you know it's yeah pretty hot. And it's it's you know it's he loves it, but then after about two hours watching cars going a straight line, gets kind of monotonous. Um, versus Absolutely. car shows. Oh, so the car shows you have like the you know the old '60s music and the ice cream, and it's it's a lot more fun for a family to hang out, you know, than a racetrack. Um, although I do love the racetrack too. Yeah, you know, like I'm not much like I have no desire to go to a racetrack and watch cars for two seconds go down a racetrack and out of my sight. I mean, I'd rather be, you know, drag week's a little bit different because I have friends, you know, in the magazine or, you know, who are there, Freiburger, you know, Brian Loans and all them. And I see them and hang out with them and all that. And I get to see cars I wouldn't normally see. But like I used to go to Union Grove two or three times a year and with my Challenger. And now that it's older and many more miles, I don't want to beat on it because it will break something. <laughs> so I haven't gone in a few years now. And it's like, and the Mopar weekend, which I usually used to go to, it's always the same weekend as Mopar's at the Red Barn, which usually exhibits my artwork. So I haven't gone there. So I, like, I haven't been to a drag strip in a few years now, unfortunately, because it's just not my thing. I mean, I have friends who go to Route 66 or used to, now that they don't do anything there anymore, but uh, they used to go to the NHRA races there, and I went once, and I'm like, oh, good, a car went six seconds, and I saw it for three seconds, and I walked the pits and saw stuff I will, you know, beyond my comprehension, and I left, and I'm like, okay, don't need to see this again. Yeah, that's, I went to one top fuel event, too, and it's it's one of those things I advise people to go see once, just because it is fascinating like when they fire up or when they take off and it's like an earthquake the whole ground just shakes it's it's pretty surreal you can't capture it on camera or, or through youtube but like you said yeah. ever seen it's, it's like I, I don't need to see this for a long time or ever again it's, it's pretty yeah, exactly yeah. i was like oh okay cool you know i appreciate it. i mean i understand the hard work and the passion behind it but i'm like you know i went when i was there they had um snake and mongoose there they had um I got to hang out with John Force for a bit and uh, some other people. So it was a little, like a good time, but it's like, I didn't care about going to see the actual racing. Just, but just like in any other situation, like you were saying, I see friends sometimes only at car shows within mm-hmm. reason. I mean, I see local people, but when I go to the Woodward Dream Cruise or McCacken, I mean, those are people I see once a year. I mean, it's it was really sad that I got to, I missed so many friends and I mean, almost family. I mean, I've been to Woodward now for the last five or six years. Whenever the first Roadkill Nights was, was when I started going. And I mean, I've been to every Roadkill Nights. So I, you know, me and Freiberger and Finnegan and Clarence Barnes and all them guys, we all hang out for like a day or two out there. And it's great. It's wonderful. But I only see them two or three times a year. And this year I haven't seen anyone which is i mean that was the worst part um but you know i mean next year just means we have to go at it harder yeah for sure and yeah i've been still watching roadkill i see they're they're making it work even kind of satellite from each other sometimes i mean are you still involved working with roadkill on like with the behind the scenes or anything no i mean i never really worked like directly like as a pa or anything like that um i'm always peripheral i mean i'm always in the background helping like Roadkill Nights, you'll see me in the background helping with odds and ends. Um, we did have a plan to do a barn find rescue. Um, 
we were planning on it last year for this year and COVID screwed all that up. So mm -hmm. uh, maybe next year we'll, uh, we'll be on screen more often. I'll be on screen more often. Yeah, I think was it the episode of the '67 Firebird recently? I think I think Finnegan actually gave you a shout out when he was pulling it out. He's like, I've always seen like you know Ryan Brutt's work, you know, pulling these things out of barns or looking at them in barns. But I was like, oh, cool. yeah, he he did that indeed. Um, that was really surprising. He didn't even tell me about it. Actually, ironically enough, you being a Pontiac guy, I was at there's a guy who's on Facebook Marketplace right now selling a whole bunch of old Pontiac stuff, and Finnegan was looking is looking for a pre seventy. 400 block and this guy had like four so i was in his barn right or in his garage right before this and found i think the perfect block for him oh, cool. which was just really fine i mean he had ram air stuff he had 455s 400s he was building a 421 he had pistons from federal mogul from the 60s and for a 421 ho engine mm -hmm. and they hadn't made that piston since i think he said 71 and they'd been sitting on his shelf for that long so it was wow. really cool to see that's very cool do you know what what car that's going in they're doing a pontiac motor oh uh, yeah he uh, finnegan wants to take the big block chevy out of the yellow firebird. duck or the rubber ducky firebird that he pulled out of the barn and he wants to drop in a um pontiac 400 whatever it's going to be mm -hmm. but he wants to put a blower pontiac engine on that in that's that. really cool because actually i watched that episode with my older brother who's a gearhead and the first question i asked i, I walked in midway i was like oh is it a pontiac motor he's like no nah, it's a 454 chevy i was like oh because i've been waiting to see those guys build a pontiac motor because i don't think they've done one yet no um, no they did they did four. Oh, did they um two i was actually in the episode two seasons ago maybe three um finnegan bought a 69 firebird in michigan oh, yeah yeah i remember that when you're right okay and he they blew on uh, Tony Angelo blew up the engine the first for second day. They trailed it to Georgia, had to buy four more engines to make one good one. And then they finished on the last day. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I do but, remember uh, that episode. Yeah. But yeah, no, well the, the yellow ducky firebird came with a, I think it was a blown big block Chevy already when it was mm -hmm. pulled out of the barn. And then that was junk and they swapped in another, big block Chevy that they had lying around and made the trip the rest of the way on that. But he does want to put a blown Firebird or a, a blown Pontiac engine in it. That's cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see that. Because, yeah, that's that's like my escape because, you know, with all the other crazy serious stuff going on in the world, I'm glad those guys are still out doing what they're doing because I can just flip that on and it just takes me back to that happy place of being a gearhead that I've kind of been deprived of this year. Oh, <laughs> yeah, man. I've been very fortunate that I was a part of the Garage Squad uh, season finale build with the 690 Daytona that's coming out tomorrow on the, the TV channel. And all the other shows I can't watch. They're unwatchable now that I know the secrets behind them. Um, but like Garage Squad, which is real people doing real things and, mm -hmm. you know, Roadkill, Roadkill Garage, you know, all my friends. Um, it's a wonderful escape. I can throw that on at any time. And it just, oh, it's it's like a you know a good a warm chocolate chip cookie it's always good yeah for sure and like you said the the, the fact that it's real is what i love about it because i just i i hate like disingenuous stuff or like it's misleading it's it's planned out it's acted it's scripted 
and History Channel and Discovery went through that for a big stint where they that was like all they had on their their reality TV shows, you know. And it's like now you're watching a lot of these more shows. I think mean, there's like a demand for real reality. And um, the thing I love about Roadkill is half the time it, they don't succeed, you know, something blows up on yeah. them, you know. It's like it, it, there's it's it's what really happens if these guys are just out doing this all day. <laughs> so that that's basically it, and that I mean that's that's why I enjoy it so much. And I've been lucky enough to be a part of it. I mean, it's it's wonderful to be part of real reality. I mean, the closest thing to their being scripted is if something, if the duct tape or the zip tie breaks too quickly and they have to re-duct tape it or re-zip tie it to get somewhere. I mean, that's the only thing that's about, you know, set up for them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. It's, it's one of my favorites to watch. But um, yeah, uh, like I said, uh, those things, I'm so glad they're still they're still able to do what they're doing, but um, I was about to ask you: Have you are, do you watch the show Autobiography on is it on Motor Trend? Um, I found it on Amazon Prime when I under my Motor Trend channel. Uh, no, I, I know enough. Behind, I, I know enough of it's not true that they've reported on okay. that it upset me, so I I, I don't watch it. That's what I was gonna ask you because yeah, a lot of it I can tell they kind of you can tell they're trying to make it entertaining, so there's a little bit of acting going on. But yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask about some of those stories if you if you knew any about them. If, most um i mean i the very first one was on the buried ferrari dino Mm -hmm. and i know that story very well because i know people who were involved in it more recently and they just butchered it they made up so much stuff and just it was so i was like i couldn't stand watching it i that's i never watched it after that just like um you ever watch a i've never watched it but there's this show called the curse of oak island it's no. on History Channel. It's about some treasure on some island somewhere. But they had a spinoff that was here in Michigan. It was actually based out of a town I actually really enjoy called Muskegon, Michigan. And I'm like, oh, this is about Muskegon, Michigan and a treasure. I'm like, oh, this will be great. It's right. I love treasure hunts and all that and, you know, mystery. And the leaps in logic and the complete BS that they were trying to string together, it... It was aggravating to the point I had to stop watching the show yeah. because of the just insanity that they were trying to pass off as reality TV. Yeah, It's like, oh, I found a button in the dirt that might be 100 years old. This obviously means the treasure was here. And you're like, oh, absolutely. That makes complete sense. You're like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's pretty oh. brutal. I, I, I had the same uh, reaction to... Because um, I think I've told you I've really been... Um, and definitely studying like the turn of the century era of automobiles. Um, we're yeah. looking to build a podcast around that. Um, and that the more I learn about that era, the more I realize I'm far away from being able to start recording because there's so much more to learn. Like I'll read a book and be like, wow, there's six new characters I got to learn about before I can even talk confidently on this. And that just keeps like creating more rabbit holes where it's like, I, if I'm going to do this, I want to do it right. I've actually spoken to a gentleman at the Smithsonian who's uh, in possession of a couple of these cars. We had like a nice hour discussion. So I've been going really, um, really meticulous through all this before I get started on it. But um, there was a show history put out a couple of years ago. It was a spinoff of the men who built America called the cars who built America. And I I had the same reaction you had, where it's like when you watch like the buried Ferrari thing, it's like, I knew these stories so much better than the guys writing this. Um, They had some good experts on there. Some of the guys they were consulting were some of the books I read, but I could tell they definitely had no say in the final production because I've read these guys books and their books are completely different than the story. And they just, not that anything was like historically incorrect, but they would 
blur timelines, they would put like something happened in 1911 and 1920, like it happened in a month to make it more exciting. And I'm like, that's okay. Yeah, they both happened, but that's not, that's disingenuous and misleading. And that's, you're supposed to be the history channel. Um, So that kind of, I know exactly what you're talking about. And if you know a lot about one topic, it's very frustrating to try to watch someone do that. You know, it's actually funny. I know, I knew one of the guys, actually he was the president of Discovery. And he had, I remember a story that he had told was he loved the History Channel back about 10 years ago. And he he would go in, but when uh, Vikings first came out, he went to a meeting and he's like, why is this show on the History Channel? It's completely fabricated and makes no sense. It's like, I want it off the channel. And all the people who were in this meeting are like, okay, but it's our number one show. So he's like, all right, well, I guess it's staying then. And that just shows you the slippery slope of how things change in the world we live in, unfortunately, right now. Yeah, uh, which is really fine, but don't call it the History Channel, you know? <laughs> it's... Well, that's why they don't call it. The, they just call it History now. Oh. It's not the that's... History Channel. It's just History. Well, the good news is I think they're creating a uh, a vacuum for people who wanted to to uh, create platforms with serious history. Like you see like Don or uh, Dan Carlin's hardcore history is one of the biggest podcasts and that's super well done. And um, so there's a lot of different platforms that, cause there's a lot of people like us who want the real stories and we don't want to be fed a bunch of fictitious, like we can just, you can watch a good movie if you want fiction. Um, yeah. So there's no point. And if you want to be objective and learn real history, it uh, you, you need real platforms reporting on that. Absolutely. I mean, my favorite podcast isn't automotive related. It's called, uh, was it lost? Is it forgotten? I very of it. Hold on one second. It's, uh, it's you my favorite podcast. It. They haven't done it in a while, but it is because the guy, he lives in England and the fall of civilizations podcast. I've listened to every episode of that 12 times over. It is phenomenal. It's all about these great civilizations that rose to power and then disappeared into history. Oh my God. I love that kind of stuff. And it, I mean, I know he does the same thing, you know, when you have a civil, like the, they just did the Byzantine empire when it's been around for 2000 years. Yeah. You got to kind of play with things a little bit, mm-hmm. but still you don't have to make up. St- he doesn't make up stuff, but right. I'm just saying, I mean, I'd rather have truth and a little bit of wiggle room on the timeline than just everything being all made up. Yeah, I remember you told me about that podcast, and I, I I'd listened to like the first two episodes, and it was really good. It's not that there was any reason I stopped listening. I think I just I have so many podcasts I follow versus how many hours I have to listen to them, so yeah. it's kind of one of those ones I keep meaning to get to. But yeah, it was it was riveting. I remember it had me sucked in, and they, the first one was about some very I forgot what era it was. If it was like the Romans or something, or yeah, the um, Eng- the Romans of England. Yeah, that's what it was. It's something I'd never heard about, and it was just yeah, so fascinating. Either. I had no idea London was abandoned. And then rubble, and then was rebuilt. I had no idea that London itself was a Roman like outpost. It was really interesting. Yeah. Well, hopefully, the way things are going here, I hope we don't become an episode on that podcast in America right now. Oh man, it's going to be uh, the Postman all over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. It's that's once once again. I'm not trying to get political, but it's just it's just been such a. Just a hard year to watch everyone. There's like once again, you, you can tell they don't study history and just uh, how. No, no, no. Oh man, I'm. We're, I'm. I won't get into it because 
it's very polarizing. I mean, I was a political science minor in college. I graduated with that, with a mm-hmm. degree in it. And I, so I, I mean, I watch this stuff pretty regularly. And it, I remember one of the things is like, you can't talk politics with people. I mean, they are, no one has, a, I mean, try people. There are people who have open minds, but 90% of America is close, so close-minded. They won't take in any information. And that, that's why I just, I'm social media. No, I will not post anything. Yeah. I've been off social media for about a year. Um, and it, yeah, a lot of it was because of it. Yeah. It was the same thing where it's like, well, I can't say what I want to say without being polarizing. And at the same time, it's like it, these people aren't recept- receptive. Like you're saying, like there's you, you, you learn something. You're like, wow, I really want to share this. Like we, we interviewed an epidemiologist a couple episodes back. Um, very well respected. He had a YouTube video, that got 2 million views and then YouTube pulled it down because it went against the official story. Um, oh, geez. And uh, so he came on and kind of told it what it was about. He's a German guy, talks with a thir- thick German accent. He's been an epidemiologist for 35 years. Uh, okay. Very well respected. He's a CEO of a large company. And um, yeah, it's like he gave me all this information that I don't hear on TV and I want to go tell everybody, but then they go and Google it and it can't be backed up. So they think I'm crazy. And it's like, oh yeah, it's the world we live in now. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately. That's why you just got to keep your head down and keep on moving forward. Yep, and keep sticking to hobbies that are fun and not polarizing like cars. <laughs> exactly. Unless you're uh unless you're a greenie, which is fine. I understand saving the earth and all that. But yeah. <laughs> so would this be What's a bad up? time to tell you that I I currently drive a Prius? <sighs> <laughs> not for those kind of reasons though. I uh you know, I got four kids and a wife that stays home, and uh, I drive a lot for work. So it's a, it's an economical decision, and uh, I stack so many miles on my car, I don't want anything nice. But um, I that, do true. I do have a 59 Buick that lights raw gasoline on fire out of the tailpipes just for flames for fun. So that I think those two offset. What about you? Don't you still own the the Buick that was in yeah. the basement? Um. I had oh yeah so that's those are my, those are my dad's cars because yeah we did we did a video uh what was it two years ago now yeah just about two years ago now yeah because that what what did that get like that's like seven hundred thousand views last I looked but I believe so and I still get people uh, messaging me about it okay yeah yeah I forgot about that so yeah we still have um yeah I've been looking to buy half that car off my dad we have there's a seventy GS stage one race car um yeah. so that's and now that I live next to a drag strip. I've uh, thought it'd be a good time to get into that. But yeah, just this whole year has kind of made that not really a priority just because I don't want to put money into a race car right now because yeah, uh, there's a lot bigger things to worry about. But I do have my 59. Um, once again, I've driven it just enough to keep it from, you know, becoming a barn find, something you might photograph no, someday. Nice, at least. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's got no seatbelts and I all my kids are little. So until I have the time to weld in some seatbelt brackets and mount seatbelts in the back, it, it might as well just be a, a one passenger car because I can't really. I got gotcha. it. So it's it's I kind gotcha. of sad, but you know I've, you know like if I have to go and get some groceries, I hop in it and drive to town. But that's that's about the extent of it. No car shows, no cruises, nothing, no highway. I mean it's it's been a very uh since I got my license, this has been the least I've had fun cars. But you know I'm at that stage in my life right now, so. Yeah, you got kids, you got family. You, at least you have one car. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, and your dad has twelve thousand of them sitting over <laughs> in multiple locations. I mean, I was in Rockford 
Oh, uh, you know, it's funny. You, you want to talk about barn finds. So, you know, I know all the Mopar people in, in Rockford and I've, my friend that's, and I had heard about a guy north of you guys that had a whole bunch of Mopars in his yard. And this is well within all of our traveling area. Like my Mopar friends, I'm like, you guys ever hear about this guy? He's got like 69 Charger RT in his backyard and chart and darts and all kinds of stuff. Like, nope, we never heard of him. Like he's in blah blah blah, and then he's they're like, really? I thought we we would have heard about this guy, and I tracked him down, and sure enough, there he was, sixty nine Charger RT, and, his, and it's all within freaking forty five minutes. Of, I mean, even less, I think, than from Rockford. Made good friends with him. I'm actually going back. He had has a sixty nine Charger five hundred hmm. sitting in a shed, and unfortunately, timing was bad. I couldn't see it at the time. I mean, I could see it through a, like a window. But he's like, I'll oh, come back when you have more time. And we'll get some better pictures of it. But it's just you never. But um, coming back from there, I drove past your dad's shop or your your family's shop, and I saw that judge is still sitting out back, or it was at the time. Yeah, yeah, I think he's got to put that one in storage. But yeah, that one's not a true judge. Once again, that was just someone put yeah. the stripes on there. But yeah, it's still a real Ram Air four car. Um, but yeah, they once again they've kind of slowed the car business right now too. They've had their other stuff picking up, but um. Yeah, the cars have just That's been great. kind of, yeah, the cars have just been kind of a, it's been an uncharted time. Some of the stuff has done very well, but I guess what's kind of odd is there's so much inflation with all uh, the prices of, <laughs> what did my friend call it, middle-class dad hobbies, like oh yeah, <laughs> like uh, mountain bikes, snowmobiles, four-wheelers, guns, like all the, uh, yeah, like bicycles, the stores, you couldn't even buy a bike at any of the bike shops. They were just like I've cleared out. And uh, Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, right now, I mean, with my computer, the issue with my computer is they can't get parts. I mean, they also are understaffed, but trying to find memory to build a computer to put to fix if that is what we think it is, you might wait two, three, four weeks to, for memory, just memory to put in your computer because they're so processors, video cards, they're all sold out everywhere. Um, and I have friends in the aftermarket industry gauges um i work with holly on a few projects and as soon as something comes in it's going right back out carburetors fuel injection kits they're selling like hotcakes i mean it's it's a downtime in general but their stock is always low because they're selling so quickly wow yeah there's there's so many little areas that nobody thinks about that are um, affected as a byproduct. And um, yeah, speaking of which, I think I was talking to a friend of mine and he said he had some friends who didn't agree with his beliefs about this whole thing that uh, were kind of saying like, oh, it's a good thing they're shutting down bars and restaurants because you know we don't need people spreading this. And um, my friend had explained to him like, think about like the guys who drive the truck to deliver the, the products, the, you know, the food and alcohol to these restaurants and the people who service those trucks, you know, and how that change just keeps going on and on and on. And all these people, their lives have been altered and their incomes have gone down or they've been laid off um yeah. you know so it's like you know i don't know are the are we making the cure worse than the disease i don't know that's only history will tell us that but well i, I know enough people that have died from this yeah. in general over a dozen unfortunately and i know uncountable people who have had it so i'd rather i mean and that's with with the precautions that have occurred thus far i mean and it's been bad. I mean, I'd rather have had them alive than dead. Sure. And 
I mean, it's just terrible. I mean, some of my best friends, my one friend out in North Carolina, old older gentleman, but he was healthy as an ox, died from it. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, yeah, I mean, the economy's you know taking a serious hit, but I know plenty of hospitals that are completely booked and morgues that are full of bodies. I mean, it sucks. Yeah, no, it's it's a definitely an unprecedented time, and it's extremely unfortunate. But yeah, I don't. There is no easy answer to anything. Right. I mean, if you do one thing, you do another. And like you said, the butterfly effects are so wide reaching Mm -hmm. that we'll never know until 10 years from now when we're looking back what the effect will be. Right. Yeah. And that's like I said, let's just stay optimistic and hopefully we can get back to good times and car shows and all that fun stuff. (laughs) I mean, but look what happens after look what happens after a recession of any form. Then there's a few years. I mean, that's why things are going to happen. I think after, you know, the vaccines out and all that, things are going to be freaking into overdrive with people going out, doing things. I mean, it's not going to make up for the past, you know, 18 months, but I think it's afterwards is going to be a very unique time in our history for good or for bad. Well, that sounds like a happy note to end on it. I like an, an optimistic <laughs> viewpoints, but yeah, if you want to go ahead and, uh, and give your plugs and about your books and your YouTube channel and anything else you want our listeners to know about. Absolutely. Well, um, and it, like I said, I'm on, I whore myself out on all the social medias. I even joined TikTok the other day. <laughs> I don't have a single post on TikTok, but I'm on TikTok. Um, I'm everywhere as the, the auto archaeologist on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, I do YouTube. Well, I did YouTube until my computer crashed. Um, I will be doing more YouTube once I get back on my computer um, under auto archaeology. Um, I did two books. They're right here. Muscle Car Barn Finds and Amazing Barn Finds and Roadside Relics. You can find them on Amazon. And you can see me all over the place because I don't have any dignity. (laughs) Awesome. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me, Mike. Hope you guys have a happy and healthy uh, holiday season and new year. Right back at you. Thank you.